Hello, 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 and welcome to The Boss Podcast, episode 97. I am Kirk Bailey, and this week, as we dive into some of the amazing talks given at Business of Software conferences over the years, we look at the story of one second every day. The Business of Software Podcast, sharing sessions from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. Find out more at businessofsoftware.org. Before we get into this week's topic, I want to talk to you about the upcoming Business of Software conferences in 2022. This year, we are bringing you not one, not two, but a whopping eight conferences over the course of nine months. There are six one-day online conferences in March, May, June, July, October and November, and two multi-day in-person conferences, one in the spring and one in the fall. So let's take a moment to give you an idea about what and when each conference is. On the 9th of March, we spring into action online with a single day event that will feature some blooming great talks, budding networking options, plenty of time for you to ask questions and discuss topics, plus a chance to catch up with others and grow the boss community. You can read more on our thoughts about online conferencing at businessofsoftware.org blog. Then, on the 4th to 5th of April, we are in person in Cambridge here in the UK. This two-day extravaganza of showering you with talks, discussions, Q&As, all with the added excitement of actually being in real life with some other like-minded people. There will, of course, be some COVID requirements and procedures in place to keep everyone safe and to respect those who are venturing out of isolation and lockdowns for the first time. Read more at businessofsoftware.org slash Europe22. On the 11th of May, we have another online day that will definitely feature talks, Q&A sessions, breakout discussions with your peers and some springtime genius to make you think. In June, we're online again on the 8th of June, firmly wedged between the British Jubilee Bank holiday and my actual birthday weekend. Wait, what do you mean that's not also a holiday? Hmm. Well, anyway, we are back online with a fresh batch of insights, connections and discussions, with rays of online boss goodness for you to soak up. Party hats will be appreciated, and if it's good enough for world leaders, it's good enough for us. So bring some cheese and maybe a glass of something special for toasting at the end of the day. Unlucky for some, on the 13th of July, uh, we're online again before we take a short break between conferences. Um, and you can choose to join dozens of people from all over the world online for a top-up of wisdom, discussions and workshop as we spend the day helping you work on your business. Then, sometime in the fall, we are in person over in the USA. Location and date to be confirmed. Okay, so this one isn't quite ready yet, but we are working on it. It will be three days of conference. It will be in the USA. It will be amazing. What it won't be is available online. This is exclusively for in-person enjoyment only. We will, of course, be following the current and recommended COVID guidance for the state and the venue. More details to follow as soon as we firm them up. Hot on the heels of our fall in-person conference on the 12th of October, we are back online connecting you with people who can change your life, if not just the way you work. Rounding off the year on the 9th of November, as we prepare for our winter hibernation, we are streaming live to your screens wherever you are with more amazing speakers to stoke the fire in you and give you some cold, hard inspiration. Extra boss points for those who have noticed or guffawed at all my clever, clumsy and obviously witty puns. And if you have any questions about any of the Business of Software conferences coming up, do reach out to me. I'm Kirk at businessofsoftware.org. For now, on with this week's episode of The Boss Podcast. In this week's talk, Caesar Kuriyama recounts his journey building one second every day to become the global phenomena it is. This thriving, bootstrapped, remote-only business became the number one paid app in Apple's App Store in 2018. You're going to hear how one second every day make remote working work, change the business model as it grew up, and discovered the ever-growing number of alternative sources of funding available to software entrepreneurs. Happy listening. 
this was uh, my life uh, back when I was working in advertising. Um, I, uh, I grew up, I was uh, born in Peru, uh, but I grew up in New Jersey, and I was always a math and science nerd, but I started dabbling with visual effects and animation uh, when I was in high school, and uh, I really got it into my head that I, you know, I wanted to make, you know, do work on storytelling in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I was making these little animated shorts, and they were doing well. Uh, like I was winning like local local concept, contests, and I thought that's what I want to do with my life. So I went to Pratt, which is an art school in Brooklyn, New York. It was one at the time. It was one of only five schools that had a major in computer graphics, computer animation, and so I had few few choices, and that's where I ended up in art school. Even though I had never done art, I, I was a doing programming, I was doing uh, all sorts of uh, technical stuff. Uh, but the only way to do computer animation was in art school. So uh, I ended up uh, working in advertising uh, because that was uh, uh, the prime, like, primary kind of field in visual effects and animation in New York City, which I lived there primarily, mostly stayed there because of uh, family situation. Um, but uh, you know, I, I was working 100-hour work weeks. I was creatively unfulfilled, I realized oh, majoring in computer animation only makes it so that I end up working on other people's ideas. Uh, and that was uh, not, uh, not very rewarding. Uh, so in my spare time, even though I was working 100-hour work weeks and spending my weekends working on stuff that I didn't care about, um, I was still finding little times, pockets of time to work, have my own little side hustles. Uh, a lot of them were terrible. A lot of them were, uh, you know, at least uh, creatively fulfilling. Um, but uh, I ended up directing this music video in my spare time. It took me 14 months of little pockets of spare time. Um, and I had this idea for how to do it with uh, just photographs, turning the photographs into video, blah, blah, blah. And this did really well. It got millions of views. It went viral for the time in 2018. It hit the front page of Dig. Um, and Wired wrote about it. And I thought, man, it really kind of gave me the the you know, kick in the butt that like maybe I can make a living working on my own ideas and not work on other people's ideas. Um, so, but this was still my life and I didn't know what to do about it. I was, you know, uh, it, like 95% of my headspace was dedicated to work. Um, and one day, if you see on the, on the, on the right there where it says MED, uh, that is a TED talk from TED MED. Uh, I was addicted to watching TED Talks. Like I would watch every day. There was a TED Talk of the day, and I would watch it. Um, and you know, at some point, I just caught up with the entire backlog of them. Um, and one day, I'm sitting here at work, miserable, and the TED Talk of the day is called "The Power of Time Off." And this guy, Stefan Sackmeister, also went to Pratt, same school I went to in Brooklyn. And he, inside of eight minutes or something, just blew my brain. So. Essentially, what he kind of says in his talk is that every uh, seven years, he shuts down his entire creative studio in Brooklyn, New York, and lets every employee have a year off paid. And I'm like, what? Um, and the reason he justified, the way that he justified this for himself was that th he's like, this is basically our general life as a, at, a, at a bird's eye view. It's like, we're, we spend the first 20 to 25 years of learning, then we work for about, you know, 50 years, 40 years, and then we retire. And the thing is, there's a lot of things he wants to do with his life that he probably won't be capable of doing at 65 and 70. Um, and that hit really close to home for me because my dad has been diabetic for 40 years and he was in dialysis machines and he couldn't, you know, my mom and dad had those same, oh, one day when Caesar's off to college, we'll finally travel, and, and they weren't really capable of doing that. And so this talk really hit close to home and I thought, I. This is a brilliant idea. So what he decided was, I'm going to take a year off every seven years, and I'm just going to retire later. And I thought, hey, he's a genius. Um, so I, had, I kind of crunched the numbers, and I realized, oh, I am about to hit seven years of working in like two years. I've been out working for like five years and I, since college. And so I thought, well, I instantly grabbed a, a sheet of paper and a piece of pen, and I started working the numbers, like how much money do I need to live in New York for rent free, for like, like to, to like pay rent and not work? Uh, what are my expenses? Cable, I don't need cable. I don't need, uh, like I'm spending money on booze in New York City, it's like $10, no, I'm just gonna drink out of a flask. Like I do whatever, whatever was, anywhere that I could cut corners, I cut corners and that literally, as soon as that TED talk ended and I, and I, and I crunched the numbers, 
I opened up a bank, uh, a savings account on, like online, grabbed the routing numbers, went up to accounting, and I said, from now on, half of my paycheck goes into this account. And I just figured out how to live frugally for the next two years. Um, so leading up to this year off that I was going to take in two years, uh, I was thinking about, well, I'm about to turn, like the, I timed it out so that on my 30th birthday would be my last day working in advertising. Like that was like, I was like, that, that's a nice round number, like on my 30th birthday, my entire, from 30 to 31, I am going to live my life. Uh, and, and this, um, this is a show that I watched growing up as a kid. It was called Dookie Hauser MD. Uh, and every episode would end with Dookie Hauser writing into his computer journal. And uh, I was like, oh, I want to do that too. But I didn't have a computer, but I would try to do it with pen and paper. Eventually I got a computer, I tried to do it with the computer, didn't do it. I would do it for like three or four days and like the habit would never stick. Like I would just get bored pretty quickly or I would just forget. Um, but this is something that I've tried to do throughout my entire life is to keep a journal, keep a diary. And I just could never build the habit. Um, and so I was thinking about, man, I'm about to take a year off from work and this might be you know, as, 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 as beautiful as it sounds that every seven years I'll take a year off, I may not be able to do that. Like, this might be the only year off I ever have. Um, and so I thought, my life is already such a, like, I wish I had kept up this habit because my life at, like, high school, and, you know, and, and, be, and, and the farther back I looked at my life, the more it became a, just a blurry cloud of, you know, I remember the big pieces, obviously, but like the, my day-to-day -day life when I was seven, when I was eight, when I was nine, when I was like 10, like I have no idea um, for, for the most part. So I didn't want to turn 40 one day and only vaguely remember my year off, my wonderful year off. So I thought I need to figure out how I never forget that year off of my life. Uh, so this is kind of a quick side tangent story where just to give you some context for who I, kind of, who I was at the time. Uh, this is like the last vacation I took before I quit my job. It was in Ireland and I, like, I was the kind of person that like, had, like, I would travel with like two tripods, four cameras, multiple lenses, and you know, like half my, I, I would literally have to check in a giant bag full of like camera gear. And I would spend a lot of my time just like trying to take photographs and videos. Um, and my friend Shonik, uh, one time, he was on this trip with me. We were sitting, I was trying to, there was a sunset happening and I was trying to capture, and I spent 15 minutes trying to capture the sunset, uh, and I did a terrible job. I was not a good photographer at the time. Um, no, this is not that photo. <laughs> that photo, that photo is so embarrassingly bad that I refuse to put it up here. Like, uh, every time I look at it, I'm like, no, 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 no. So this is a other photo from that trip. Um, but. Seanick was just looking at the sunset for 15 minutes. And I thought, and I couldn't get a good photograph, and afterwards I was like, man, I wish I would've just enjoyed that sunset. And I realized I was, had all these hard drives full of photos and videos that I never looked at, they just sat there. And I started questioning why I was even taking the time to do that stuff. Was it because I was trying to come up with a good photograph, or is it like, do I wanna post it on Facebook and get likes, you know? And so it really kind of rewired my brain on like why I was capturing moments. Um, so, I quit my job, and I started recording one second every day. And the reason that I landed on the rule of one second every day, which I'll get into a little bit more in a minute, is that I was trying to come up with what is the minimal amount I need to capture per day in order to still get the benefit uh, of having a visual trigger to never forget a day of my life ever again. It was like, what is, I don't want to, capture five hours of video a day, I want, what is the minimal amount I need? Um, and I started doing it once per day. Um, and right away, after just like two or three weeks, I realized I could see how I was spending my time. And that was a reawakening. I was just like on Facebook. I was watching True Lies for the 50th time. It was just, I, I have this year off and I'm squandering it, I realized, just by looking at the first couple of weeks of the video. Um, and just uh, you know, two, week, two, two months after I started, uh, because I was addicted to watching TED Talks, and this is back when like Facebook, if you li like Facebook was trying to get everybody to like every company page, and then eventually they're like, now you gotta pay if you want people to actually see what you share. Um, and so at the time, this is before they did that, TED, anything TED 
would post, I would see it, because I was addicted to, to the TED Talk of the day. And they posted that they were having the first ever TED auditions. Um, and I thought, man, if only I had an idea worth spreading. Like, what an amazing opportunity. Uh, but the little tab for this link stayed on my like, Chrome thing. And so every now and then, I would just like, see it as I was scrolling through the internet. And, uh, and then as, like, like, a couple of days later, like two weeks later, right before the deadline, I was at my dad, I was at my dad's place, it was his birthday, and I was recording my second of the day of, of my dad's birthday, and I thought, you know, I know it's silly, all I'm doing is recording a second per day, like, th these TED people are curing cancer, I'm not, who, I'm like, who am I? But if I don't do it, I'll regret it for the rest of my life, so I'm gonna try it. So I went, I ho went home for my dad's birthday, I recorded a one minute audition of what I was doing, I included 30 seconds of it, and, uh, uh, I ended up getting an email saying, like, hey, come audition for TED. And they chose 17 people out of 1,000 submissions. And there was an event in New York, in New York City. Um, and basically, it was a room full of like 150 people who go to the TED conference. Um, and I only, at the time, had three months' worth of the project. I had just started, you know. Uh, but I talked a bit about how, you know, uh, like th this was having a really positive impact on how I was spending my time. Uh, and out of 17 people who were chosen to, to, to audition at this uh, event, they don't call it auditions anymore, they do it every year. Um, uh, now they call it idea search, it's way more, way, <laughs> it's way better. Uh, and yeah, so nine months later, I was at Main Stage TED in Long Beach, like one of my pitches to, when I was giving my audition was, you know, I'm gonna finish the first year of this project seven days right before the next TED conference. You know, like, I had a, I'll have a full year. Um, I don't know if that helped, but, um, and, uh, you know, obviously this is a life-changing thing. This is my first time doing public speaking, uh, which is <laughs> the most mortifying possible thing that I could ever wish on any human being. I was like, Bill Gates was right there, or Al Gore was right there, I mean, I just, uh, uh, I can go into many stories about this day. This day was horrible. I threw up a lot that week. I lost a lot of weight. Um, anyways, uh, I want to show you just a bit of, for, for those that uh, have never seen a one-second video before. So this is um, literally the start of my, uh, of my, what's become my, you know, my video journal. Um, I have been doing this now for eight and a half years. Uh, have not forgotten a day of my life since I started, with the uh, notable exceptions that in a couple of seconds you'll see that there's two moments where it, it says whoops forgot because I uh, forgot. But I actually know what I did on those days. I did nothing. Um, I just sat around at home and did nothing. Um, and again, it, it was moments like this that allowed me to actually realize, hey, like, get it together. Now, a couple of things that I want to say about the project. One of them is, uh, the reason it's video and not photos is that audio is like 50% of a memory trigger. Like, for example, you know, uh, the, the example I like to give is like capturing a moment of laughter of my dad, listening to my dad laugh, because he doesn't laugh a lot, is monumentally as precious as like just watch a photo, an instant photograph of, of my dad, uh, you know, smiling. Um, so I'm big on video. I've always been a video person my whole life. Uh, and one of the reasons that I started doing this with video instead of words was like the realization that I made about me never being able to keep the habit of, keep, of keeping a, a daily journal was that writing's just never been my medium. I've always been a visual person. Since I was a kid, I would basically like make these supercuts of music videos. Like I would, I would record like TRL on MTV like just for like two hours straight and then I would just grab my favorite music videos and dump them into a separate tape and make a supercut of all my favorite music videos and then a supercut of all my favorite movie scenes and a, a supercut of all my favorite, uh, you know, um, sporting moments. Uh, so on and so forth. Um, so video has always been my format, and so this, you know, by the time, when I started this in 2011, the iPhone had gotten pretty good. It, would, it was always in my pocket. It could shoot high definition video. Uh, it was like the iPhone 4, 4S, um, and uh, you know, it, it just made sense that I should be journaling with video, not with words. Um, it's just like, it's just, it, it just came natural to me to actually do it this way. Um, so in, you know, in th this part of the video, I. Uh, me and Seanick took off on a 95-day uh, road trip around the U U.S. and Canada, uh, and uh, you know, it's uh, one of the things about watching these one-second everyday videos that I'm very aware because I've been doing it for eight and a half years, and I talk to a lot of our customers, and I talk to a lot of people who've been using it for some for six, seven years. Um, 
like whatever you think, whatever you, you see here, um, something that I do often, I call it a secret code. So a lot of my seconds of the day aren't necessarily something where like, like you would actually understand the context of. A lot of my seconds of the day across the eight and a half years of my life are things that are just meant, only I would understand the true context of them. And so, and so there's all sorts of moments of my life where like you might see a sunset or a, you know, a dog or whatever, but oftentimes it's bringing me back to something else. Um, so for example, um, there is a, you know, there's a, a there's a moment in the, my one second every day in here that is like the most boring one second, like second of the entire video. And everybody would just assume, oh, like that must be a really boring day in Caesar's life. Um, but actually, it's the most meaningful like snippet of the entire video of the entire year for me because I had just had a really difficult conversation with a loved one. And when I finished that conversation, I walked out of the room and I just took my phone out and I recorded the wall and I put my phone down, and that wall will always, will always remind me of that conversation. And so a lot of what I'm doing for myself is leaving breadcrumbs that allow me to come back to a moment. Um, so one of the things that is about to come up in the video um, that uh, you know, is difficult to talk about, but um, you know, the, thing that about, the thing about recording one second every day is that you know, our, ups, our, our lives are full of ups and downs. And, you know, obviously, this is, you know, basically one of the worst times in the time, you know, the history of my family. Um, but, uh, you know, I realized pretty quickly just forcing myself to record these moments because I didn't want to record these moments. I realized we take our cameras out when something awesome is happening in front of us, not necessarily when something horrible is happening in front of us. Um, but the thing about this project is that it allows, like, future you allows, it ha, like, gets a greater perspective on, like, the ups and downs of, of, of your life that I think is a really, really important when, you know, we often, you know, Instagram feeds are full of just the best stuff. And, uh, you know, it's a life is a series of ups and downs. And every time I'm going through a bad, rough patch now, I know that I get out of it. And that's very important. I know that it's, it's always a wave. Um, I can go on and on about one second every day, but, uh, I just, I'll start getting to the app. So after I spoke at Ted, um, I went back to, I was broke. I had zero money in the bank. And I was like, all right, uh, what do I do? And so I went, uh, like a week later, I went into the same, the, the, the job where I worked at, took me back with open arms. They were super excited to have me come back. And I did, like, I signed like a one week or two week kind of like freelance gig thing. I showed up, I sat down, and at the end of that day, I just, I just, I just couldn't do it. I just walked over to my supervisor and I said, I can't. I'm so sorry. I have to leave. I'm never, I can't do this again. Um, and instead, I thought the number one comment uh, from the TED Talk was, from the video was, I want to do this too, I want to do this too, I want to do this too. Like, I have, you know, a lot of video experience, I did it, I cut the video together with Final Cut Pro, but there really wasn't an easy way for anybody to do something like this on, you know, uh, on their phone, on their computer or whatnot. So I thought, I'll make an app that makes it so that anybody can do this. Um, and I had no idea what to do. I literally Googled, how do I make an app? <laughs> sort of got it, that's how I started. Uh, and, oh, I need to know this language, coding language, or I need to talk to these kinds of people. I started buying every coffee I could to any friend that would hear me out. I posted on Facebook, I posted on wherever, like, who knows how to make apps, talk to me. Um, and, you know, basically kind of like, this was like just like the general, like, like, it wasn't meant to be what the app looks like. It was just like conceptually, here's what the app is. The app allows you to select moments from the videos in your camera, like a second from your video in your camera roll. Uh, it logs it in as in some sort of calendar format as like your second of the day, and whenever you want to watch it, you hit compile. That was like the very general gist. And I started talking to developer development shops in New York City, and they were all like, uh, hundred thousand uh, uh, dollars, and that's our best guess. And if we get stuck building some of this stuff, which we might, because this is very hard, video is very hard, uh, we'll just keep charging hundred dollars an hour until we figure it out. I was like, great. Uh, so. <laughs> 
I, uh, I told, uh, you know, I would tell friends, and they're like, yeah, that seems like a pretty, like, yeah, that's, that's what it costs. I'm like, all right, well, then I'm screwed. This is it. I'm just going to have to go back to work in advertising. Um, and luckily, man, like, I just, I talked to everybody who would listen to me, and luckily I ended up and I, I went to, I talked to every development shop, um, and then I was at some advertising agency party, and I, was, I only knew one person there, so I just stood there, like, I don't know, I'm not talking to anybody, and eventually the guy next to me was just like, oh, hi, I'm Caesar, and I was like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, we're, we just started a development shop in New York City, and I'm like, you did? Well, hello, like, can we have a conversation? Next thing you know, I'm at their offices two weeks later, two weeks after that, they said, you know, we're new, we gotta, we're just getting our foot, you know, we're, we're just trying to get going here, we want to be the guys who made this. And I was like, great. And they were like, we're going to lowball you. We know you don't have money. I was like, great. Uh, and they said, uh, $20,000, flat fee, however long it takes. I'm like, sold, sold, sold. Um, it's these guys here, uh, bless them. Uh, this is us winning an innovation by design uh, award for a fast company. Um, and, and, then I, and then after they said, after they said that, I said, also, by the way, I also don't have $20,000. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, that was, uh, they, that, was the, that bummed them out. But, uh, uh, so just for, for some context here, uh, this is what the app ended up looking like as we were actually working on it. Uh, and this is kind of what it looked like a couple of years later. Um, and now this is what it looks like because phones keep getting like pillars and just very, very like the horizontal design just wasn't working out uh, anymore. Um, so I was at this e event and this is one of my seconds of the day uh, with, with uh, uh, as, I, was, I was here with uh, Seanick, uh, this right before we started our road trip together. And he was reading the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss and I was like, ugh. And I just like went and to this event and I was like, you know, I, this, uh, may, you know, Tim Ferriss might have some insights on this, like, how do I make an app thing? Um, and I talked to him. I basically waited for like two hours for the crowd around him to die down, and he was nice enough to just stick around. And eventually I heard him say, like, all right, guys, I'm really late for dinner. I got to go. And I just went, no. And I just like, like, like just did whatever it took to just say, just blurt it out real quick. And I said, I just gave this TED talk, and, and like, I want to build an app for it. I don't know how to get money for it. And, and he said, don't raise money. Just figure out a way to build it without, build a prototype without raising money. And then he walked away. And uh, I, don't know, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to do that either. So Kickstarter. So uh, I ended up uh, you know, telling the guys uh, who were going to make the app, hey, uh, I'm going to get you the $20,000 through Kickstarter. Catch. I don't want to launch the Kickstarter until we have a working prototype, <laughs> uh, which they agreed to because they trusted me. Thank God. Um, and I, I, I didn't want to at the time. This is still early Kickstarter days, but it was, but it wasn't that early where like people were already questioned. Like there were a lot of you know projects that were not working out on Kickstarter. So I didn't want to be one of those projects. I wanted to not promise something I couldn't deliver. I wanted to show working prototype of the app on the page uh, so that people knew exactly what they were going to get. So the app was pretty far along, and terrible business decision on my part was, I said, first uh, terrible business decision on my part, I should say, uh, was, I just want everybody to have it. One dollar. If you give us a dollar, you'll get the app. Um, so even though we had 11,000 people back at the most uh, backers ever for an app on Kickstarter till this day, uh, it meant, uh, you know, uh, $56,000 only gets you so far uh, after you make the original app. Um, so uh, yeah, so Kickstarter, uh, you know, worked out. Um, we got a ton of press for it. This is back when Kickstarters were actually still getting press. Um, and uh, yeah, like, so so we ended up with this like big hurdle though, which was how do we deliver an app to 11,000 people uh, without a promo code? And we had no idea what to do. I flew to, I lied to a guy I met at TED that I was like, hey, I'm in San Francisco. Like, want to hang out and. Um, I wasn't in San Francisco, I took, a, I took the next flight out, um, and I showed up, and I said, hey, you got to help me, please, you run the app store, like, how do I give promo codes to 11,000 people? Um, she's like, he's like, can't help you. Uh, it's red tape, it's just not a thing we, we do. So we ended up having to make the app free for 24 hours, and we begged everybody, please, 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 please download the app. 
during this 24-hour window, um, uh, we also like did a terrible job of uploading the logo. Uh, we put the wrong logo up, so it's all tiny and it's got words on there. Uh, but we launched. We like at the end of that first launch day, uh, which was uh, January, uh, January like uh, 11th, 2013. Um, we were right next to Instagram, which was pretty cool. It was just like, hey! But the next day, the app switched to paid uh, for a dollar, and we lost the rank. You know, we lost this ranking, and we went back to scratch. Um, now, the number one email I was getting from the Kickstarter backers was, please, I'll give you money if you build an Android version. And I said, well, whatever money we don't use on the iOS version, we'll build an Android version. Uh, that was a terrible idea. That really bit us uh, till this day. Uh, we just didn't have the capacity to support Android after actually building a, a, an app. Um, but, uh, you know. Again, terrible business decision number two on my part. Uh, just, I just wanted everybody to have it. I just, I, just want, I just want people to have it. I just want everybody to be able to do one second every day. That was basically my entire motivation. Um, and then at the, at the end of that first year, uh, on New Year's Day, I look at the App Store, and we're number four in photo video, and we're number 42 overall. And didn't quite realize it until that moment. It hit me pretty quickly, obviously, but I realized, oh, People have been doing. People are do, like have spent the year making one second every day, like since since we launched it a year prior, and they shared it somehow, and that sharing meant people want to do it too, and it's like great. All right, this is this is great. Like, boo 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 boo. We're we're, we're killing it. Um, and you know we ended up in the New York Times a couple of weeks after that, which was super rad. Uh, and uh, if you guys have seen the movie Chef, we were like we we play a pretty. Uh, uh, pretty big role in that movie. At the end of that movie, uh, well, halfway through the movie, like his son, uh, the, the main character's son, says, "Like I'm doing this thing called One Second Every Day," and, and his dad's like, "Ah, One Second, that's silly." And then at the end of the movie, his son sends him a One Second Every Day video of the past, basically of the journey of the movie. And he, you know, it's like I'm getting teary yet just thinking about it. Um, it's a very, it's a, it's a very good movie and a very good moment. Um, a lot of people who saw the movie were just like assumed that was made up for the movie, <laughs> um, but no, like John Favreau actually reached out and said, "Hey, I've been doing One Second Every Day. I love the app. I want to put it into my movie." I'm like. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, as a giant film guy too, like I was like singers, um, and and he uh, and he was yeah I was on set for a couple of days and John could not have been nicer about he showed me as almost like every day I cried um, and and so yeah it seems th seems like things are going you know great blah blah I'm at the premiere blah 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 um, but then uh, you know like reality kept hitting me over and over again. I kept thinking about, all right, I'm work. I'm like drowning. I don't know what. Like this isn't like. Is this a like? I thought I could just like. I thought I was gonna be able to put this app on the app store, and just generate a passive income on it, while I worked on other creative ideas. I'll make another music video, you know, or something. But all I did was just wake up every morning, sit down in front of my computer see like 50 new support tickets, people who are like, I lost everything. And I'm like, oh God. And um, <laughs> I, I, like, I, you know, this, this was a very dark time in my life uh, where I didn't know what to do. I wasn't sure really what the next like steps were. Um, but what I did know was that I was dying trying to do everything myself. Like I was just me with part-time dev work and I realized, oh yeah, this is probably not gonna be something that I can just, so this is like our, or you know, our sales in 2013, 2014, they're the same. Uh, I was still charging a dollar for the app, and I was like, you know, maybe charging a dollar for the app just because you want people to have it is a stupid idea. <laughs> um, you know, this whole idea of the passive income thing, and I'm just gonna like, oh, I'm gonna make another music video because like the app's just doing its own thing. Like, no, that just like, reality finally caught up to me. Like, that's not gonna be my life. Um, I real, basically finished, you know, learned the hard way that I, I wasn't gonna finish technology, like, you know, the app. Like, there was no finishing it. There was always a bug. There, there, there was always a feature we wanted to build. There was always an iOS update. There was always a new iPhone that had a different screen, different thing. Like, there was always gonna be something, I, you know, I, I realized. Uh, I wasn't gonna ever just finish it. Um, and so I thought, well, uh, how do I hire somebody if I don't have any money? And so I thought, what if I charge $3 instead of one? And which should have been obvious from day one. But uh, I realized, oh yeah, like 
the amount of people who were willing to pay $1 versus three, basically the same. Like, so triple the revenue overnight. Um, and that's how I got Seanic on board. Hey, Seanic, my co-founder. Hey. Uh, so Seanic, who was looking at that sunset, Seanic, who was on the road trip with me, Seanic, who's been listening to me, blah, 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 one second every day nonstop and helped build a website and did all the things part-time, I said, took him out to drinks and I said, how do I get you to quit your job and join me full-time? Uh, and he said, I don't want to live in New York anymore. <laughs> and I said, cool, we're a remote company. And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and that's how that decision was made, or, yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, sometimes it's easy. Um, and so, you know, first thing me and Seanic do, one of the first things we, you know, we did in, you know, once he joined me was, all right, like, we need a CTO. Like, we can't be outsourcing dev and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's true. Yep, absolutely. We don't have money, though. Uh, <laughs> It worked. Donald's barely went down. People were just as willing to pay $5 as $1. Hey, we got a CTO. So, all right. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a big step. Um, and that, man, that was, I still remember the day Sean had called me and it was like, he took the offer. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> just like, just like broke down and went on my knees. Like, we're going to make, we're going to build things now. Um, uh, slowly, the team, uh, team grew, largely due to Seanic. Uh, Seanic and I are perfect, uh, like, kind of opposite sides of the brain. Like, I like to think about buttons and product and ideas, and Seanic likes to come up with systems and pie charts and think about business plans. I'm like, ah, uh, that's, not, that's, not, that's, not my, that's not my superpower. Um, and uh, come New Year's 2016, we get to number two on photo video, we get to number 17 on the top charts, and, you know, at that point, we're like two, three years in, and we realize this clear and obvious pattern that like, oh yeah, like we're, a, like we're the New Year's app. Like we are, like New Year's is our bread and butter. Like where, you know, uh, people start their once again very videos for all sorts of reasons, uh, you know, their video journals. Sometimes it's because they just got married. Sometimes it's because they just had a baby. Sometimes it's because, uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a birthday or whatnot. But uh, like I'm a birthday to birthday person, but, uh, but New Year's is the catch-all. Everybody's like got their new resolutions and the blah blah blah. It's like oh, New Year's for January first is like oh, I'm gonna new, I'm gonna be a new man. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, this is our you know our sales grew significantly, not just from the price, but also from the amount of uh, activity we were getting. Um, and come New Year's 2017, we hit number one for the first time on photo video, and we get all the way to number four on on top charts uh, overall. The entire apps are paid apps. Um, and it was just like, eh, and we're like, eh. Um, and then the year after, we were pretty sure. We were like, we're going to hit number one this year. Like, it's like, like if we look at the lines year to year. And so, like, we went and we, we hit it. We had number one. We were the number one paid app on the App Store uh, the entire first week of last year um, and doubled our revenue again. Um, and this is something we didn't expect, which is in. Uh, February 1st of 2018, we had number one again. And that was new for us. And that was like, hmm, why? Uh, and this is also, this is one of the many random messages we get all the time from people who uh, use our app, which makes, uh, makes, uh, makes, the, you know, makes our days every day. Um, but we realized uh, so many things had kind of happened where people were now sharing uh, these like 30 to 60 second recaps of their month on social media. So like every first of the month now, ever since, ever since this February 1st, two years ago almost, uh, people, we get a giant spike on the App Store because people are sharing monthly instead of waiting a whole year to share. Because nobody wants to wait a year to share their, their video. They're like, I don't know, what about now? And so like February 1st, March 1st, uh, April 1st, now it's, a, it's been a recurring theme and a huge source of our growth. Um, and across the way, we've had a lot of beautiful things happen. Like, uh, you know, New York Times wrote up a beautiful uh, piece on us. Uh, really love that quote about how there's uh, no shortage of ways to document our lives online, but a uh, few inspire personal reflection so viscerally. Um, and TechCrunch wrote a really great review about the app. And, and when they posted about it on like social media, it said one of the, the quote unquote was, and, and the thing, the, this one meant a lot to me because after all the years we were out, like they never, wrote about us ever, and then out of thin air, they just like wrote about us and said, one of our, one of our favorite apps ever. And I was like, <laughs> um, uh, just want to share, uh, just like, you know, just 
talk about some of the use cases like I, I kind of briefly mentioned, like parents is a number one use case for us. Uh, you know, this video has like 20 million views. It was made by the first, th th uh, th this guy's been doing, uh, he's been recording Indigo every day of Indigo's life since, uh, for seven and a half years now. Uh, basically since right after the TED talk, essentially. Uh, I gave the TED talk, um, he saw it, uh, he's like, Oh my God, I'm about to have a baby. I should do this with my baby. And we literally just talked two weeks ago uh, over a Skype thing and you know, he's still going strong and been recording every day ever since. His video is about you know, 40, 45 minutes long or something like that at this point and it's every single day of Indigo's life. Um, and this video went so viral that obviously it led to a lot of people seeing it and realizing, de deciding, oh, if I'm gonna have a baby, I'm gonna do this with my baby. Um, Celebrities use it, teachers use it to kind of create these videos of like, like encapsulate like a semester in their student's life. Uh, there's, a, you know, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, we've, see, we've seen all sorts of interesting use cases for the app. Uh, some, some of them are very popular, some are very niche, but uh, it's been a, you know, this is like the most watched one second every day video ever. Uh, it's got, at the time I took the screenshot, which was like a while back, it's had 60 million views, and that's only on YouTube. This is like everywhere, this is on Facebook, this is everywhere. I mean, this is like not a real one second every day video, this was just conceived as using the format to parlay an important message for Save the Children. Um, and we've had a lot of partnerships along the way. Uh, you know, we did one with Android, did one with Chase, blah, 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 but that's not important. Uh, we won a Webby Award for best use of mobile camera uh, last year, which is super rad. Um, and so last year, uh, when we hit number one in the App Store, we were number one uh, for the entire first week, VCs noticed. Um, and uh, we, uh, you know, Greylock kind of got in touch and we were like, we should take that meeting because Greylock. Um, and we started really thinking about it. Like, is, this, is, it, is, it, is it finally time for venture capital? Um, and, you know, we, this is what everybody was screaming into my ears in every direction was, you're profitable, you're living the dream, don't take VC money, you're, don't ruin this. Like, you, it'll ruin your life. And I was like, oh, all right, but like also like we could use some money. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was, uh, it, it was, we were trying to figure, we were, we were trying to balance out like what was best for the company, what was best for us, what was best for, the, for our team. I was on my way to, um, uh, I was on my way to give a, a talk uh, about being bootstrapped and this is literally the car that was in front of me as I was driving there. And I was just like quickly grabbed my GPS, turned it and took a photo from the dashboard and just turned my phone back around. I was like, this is too, too weird. Um, and you know, it, throughout the years where we've considered venture capital, obviously I've learned a lot about, you know, uh, about what the incentives are between uh, VCs and, and founders and companies and uh, some of the, one of the things that always stood out to me that was really interesting to me was that uh, you know that only five percent of VC funds like end up returning a larger than three x return on the investment and I thought always I was kind of stuck with me a little bit um, which I, I thought was interesting because it's like it's a very small percentage of VCs and three x is like not a lot um, and the thing that you know at this point in the company. We have we have had you know we've had customers that have been using the app for over five years, like who have have entrusted us with their memories in a way that's private, that they never have to share anything ever, that's being stored you know in a, in a way where we never have access to it, and and so anything in regarding like trying to go big always seemed like we were putting that at risk a bit. Um, with the VC model, you know, uh, I, I really like this uh, little write up where you know it's a uh, you know it, it the the, the the outcomes that are kind of presented to you once you kind of raise that venture capital, like what the VCs want is an exit because they want their money. They want a lot of they want a lot of money back. Um, they, you know, and, and basically it's like go public um, or sell the company. Um, and Shonak and I like don't really find that as lucrative or interesting. Um, it's not something we really drives us forward. Um, Joel from Buffer, you know, said said you know said said it best. It's a Acquisition IPO or, or go bust. Um, and so, yeah, Shawnick and I are like, but you know, I don't know if we want to sell the company. Uh, and I don't think uh, we want to ever IPO because a lot of what we're trying to think, we're trying to build with uh, the social stuff that we want to start tackling, we really think it's beneficial for that stuff, like to not be driven by quarterly profits and stuff like that. Um, so, 
one thing that kept coming to mind to me is, uh, you know, some companies need time, not money. Um, and the, what I mean by that is this. Uh, if we had raised venture capital to build One Second Every Day back in 2013, we would have died. Like, we would, it would not exist because there, like our product is not, was, was, was too early for the market. The state of, the, the state of, 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 of like where we were in 2013 when we launched was iPhones had like eight and 16 gigabytes of storage and we were shooting high definition videos. Our use, number one support ticket was like, my phone is out of memory. My phone is out of memory. Uh, sharing meant, uh, there, you know, 3G, sharing video through 3G or like Edge or whatever, it's just like super slow. People didn't do it. Uh, none of the social networks had native video. So the only way to share one second every day video was essentially like show it to somebody on your phone. <laughs> uh, like here, watch, for, sit here for six minutes. Um, connect your phone to your computer, move your 600 megabyte HD file over to your computer, and then hopefully have good Wi-Fi and upload it to YouTube or Vimeo and then share that link out to friends. Like the amount of friction that was involved with us uh, with what we had built was not like, like nothing we were gonna throw money at was going to change the dynamics of the current market. Uh, so it took a long, you know, uh, like, and the reason I show this image is because there was this great analogy I saw once where, you know, sometimes you just have to be on that surfboard and when the wave, you have to be ready so that like when that wave comes, you get to ride it. And like, it's kind of what's been us as a company is as these things have continued to, these places to share or fast internet speeds have continued to like rise, oh, like our growth has come with it. You know, like when Instagram introduced the ability to share videos on your feed and to make them like 60 seconds long, that's what led to people starting to share 30 to 60 second videos of their Instagram uh, on, uh, you know, hitting up, making us hit number one month to month. Um, and that's because we survived long enough to let, to wait for those waves, uh, you know, like, like trying to raise again after 18 months with like the amount of growth we would have had, you know, throwing BC money into things like in 2013, 2014, 2015, the market wasn't there yet. Um, it really, like, it's been, uh, not to mention stories becoming a huge thing over the last two years. Now people are recording way more videos than they used to because of stories. And now we give them a home to, we give them a place to put them in. Um, so yeah, this is what the app looked like way back in the day. It's the only, it's just, uh, it's just meant there to illustrate how old our app is uh, at this point and how back then, like, sharing was. So, so this is a great article that came out earlier this year from New York Times. Uh, I'm sure many of you saw it, but like, you know, this was a, you know, at the beginning of this year, uh, you know, we were starting to, uh, you, know, we, you know, we were thinking again about potentially raising capital. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the thing about like not wanting to do VC is, that comes up a lot, I, I guess, in, in my bubble is that, oh, that we're not trying to, like, we're not trying to build a big company. It's like, ah, we're trying to build a big company. Um, like, I ended up on the pitch, uh, which is a, uh, like, a, like an audio version of Shark Tank um, uh, podcast, super great show, because it's actually like pretty legit investment meeting. Um, and they kind of over glorified what I was saying into this, like that's, you know, I wasn't, I'm, at no point in time in that pitch where I was like, I'm gonna take on Facebook. Like, no, 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 we're trying to build a social media feed that is private and has the best interests of the people who use it at heart and is monetized through different incentives. That's what I said. Um, and, but yeah, like it, it, it is a, it, it does sour me a bit when the, taking the non-venture capital thing, uh, me, people will take that as like, you're not trying to build a company. Um, so one thing that comes to mind for us as well is that, you know, if we had built a shoe company, this is my, my stupid analogy is, yeah, and Amazon wants to acquire it, it'd be like, yeah, take it. <sighs> yeah, I don't, you know, like, I'm, like you know, but, but what we've been building and what we're, what we're, you know, are lucky enough to be working on with like really, you know, interesting people's you know, private, 50% of our customers never share anything. And that's because they see us as, as where they put in these moments of their lives that are important, but they don't want on the internet. Um, and, you know, it, it, we really take that to heart and we want to make sure that we build something that is long lasting and meaningful. We want the company to be around in 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, and we wanna make sure that we're always doing right by our customers. Um, obviously there's always these like I interesting, you know, things that people always point to like, you know, him bootstrapping all the way to 700 million. Um, but the thing is basically me and Seanic realized when we were having those conversations with VCs early last year that the things we needed to do in 2018 were still not 
something we needed money for. Like we could keep going without raising capital. And so we knew we needed to make the app, rebuild the app to be vertical because every, like we, we were just suing against the, stream, uh, against the, against the stream and so we, we knew we needed to do that. And we knew that if we wanted a future, a prosperous future for our company long term, we needed to switch uh, we needed to switch our monetization from being this app that people pay once for to something that's recurring revenue, something that's free, something that ha brings value. Um, and so like, we were like, we could do that. Let's do it. So we decided, let's not raise capital. Um, this, is a, a, <laughs> this is just uh, something I made with up because I want to get people excited about going vertical. Um, and... So yeah, going back to what we what I was talking about on on the pitch that you know drove uh, that quote about the taking on Facebook thing is that something that we you know we also be, you know also believe in is trying to you know realign what's good for customers and what's good for uh, for the business in a way where we never want to have advertising we never want to you know, we never want to start screwing people over eventually which is what you know it feels like venture capital is always doing it's like if, it's like get everything for free and then eventually we'll tell them how we're monetizing them you know it's just like no it's like let's just be open about it, this is what it's gonna cost and this is what you're gonna get. Um, and of course, obviously, the writing was always also on the wall. People were kept writing about how subscription you know, business was the future, we were seeing it left and right and we knew that, and Apple had finally made it easy to do it through the App Store. Um, this was also it was a crazy fact about like 57 million in sales all the way to 2.6 billion in 2016, it's crazy on uh, subscription. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is just like another classic quote, of course, about, uh, you know, we just didn't want to turn our customers into the product. We wanted to make sure that you know we 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 had good alignment. Most um, best for our customers, not advertisers. So this is what the switch uh, we were working on was, which is we were charging five dollars on the App Store. We were one of the top paid photo video apps on the App Store all of 2018, and it was like, all right, let's cut off our revenue stream. Let's make the app free, and let's hope that this pro subscription tier uh, works out at $30 a year. Uh, you know, we knew we only needed to capture a small percentage of our customer base to like make it work, but it was risky. Um, and one of the ways that we kind of de-risked it was, all right, worst case scenario, what's the worst case scenario if we, if we make this, mod this switch? Worst case scenario is uh, no one buys it. It's like, okay. Best case scenario is we make more money. Great. In the middle is we make the same. Um, but even in the worst case scenario, we knew we could just switch the app back to paid in the, if, if, like nothing, if it didn't work. And so that was kind of our fail safe. Like, like, let's not break the company here doing this. Uh, so how did it go? So we are up to 57,000 uh, subscribers so far uh, since we launched it. Uh, we did kind of a soft launch in like February, October, November to like kind of uh, start, you know, making sure it was bug free. We, you know, we, we weren't super announcing it, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, as you can see too, like there's this big jump in December, January uh, because New Year's is our thing. Um, and so that's meant we're about, we're gonna break, like basically we're gonna do the exact same in revenue this year as we did last year but now it's recurring revenue. Um, so hypothetically speaking, if the, the kind of the big, uh, one of the big gambles or, or bets that we're making is that every year that we've had this exponential growth in the app store, you know, on New Year's, it's been as a paid app. So the amount of people sharing has been uh, not, as, not that huge, but now we're gonna have, uh, so for context, these, we, were, we just had four million downloads last week, woohoo, uh, ever. Uh, and two million of those downloads came in the first six years as a paid app. And since going free, we are, we've, we've, we've doubled the amount of downloads we've had um, in just basically this year. So the amount, theoretically speaking, the amount of people sharing One Second Everyday videos this New Year's will be magnitudes greater than ever before. So uh, that is kind of the, we're, we're still waiting, we're in a wait and see kind of, but uh, that's kind of where we are right now. Um, and New Year's this year, uh, as a free app for the first time, uh, instead of a paid app, we were, it was Instagram, Snapchat, and One Second Every Day on, uh, on the top and photo video, and overall, we were 18. So that's kind of our base now, lying now on New Year's for, 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 for us, and hopefully next year uh, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, uh, January 1st we'll find out if we can beat Instagram and Snapchat on New Year's Day, that's my goal. Um, uh, emojis. Uh, <laughs> So uh, the, the interesting thing too with us as a company is that the, we're really big in the UK, uh, or you know, substantially bigger than in the US, and we're o they're always 
like a, we almost, it's almost like we know what's gonna happen in the US a year later based on whatever's going on in the UK. Um, I think they care about the privacy a little bit more probably, and, uh, and, and so we're a little bit ahead of the game there. But uh, we beat Facebook there on New Year's, which was awesome. Um, so we successfully switched from one-time revenue to recurring revenue, uh, and the team has grown. And now the question is now, um, our, so this, our next big goal is to build a social feed that we are, you know, we have, we have really, uh, we have intentions for this to be something really meaningful, something that is private, something that actually uh, is, a, a, some, you know, uh, trying to build a, a feed that actually uh, has the best interests of people and, and what's good for them and not just what's good for advertisers. And so uh, it is a lot more than we can chew than then, you know, basically it would have taken a year to get the revenue to start making the engineering hires that would be required for us to, to build it. So we decided, okay, now it actually makes sense to raise money. But does it have to be venture capital? And I think this is similar to the, what I was talking about, the surfboard and kind of waiting for, the, for things to catch up. Because if we had, you know, we were just lucky enough that we waited long enough to raise capital that there were other options. Like we, <laughs> didn't have to do venture capital, like the, the, market, the financial, the, 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 the options have matured. Um, this is something that inspired Sean and I heavily, uh, Rand, uh, you know, uh, raised like, uh, you know, 1.3 million uh, with just angels, with very, very interesting terms that don't force them into raising money ever again. And we thought, man, we should do that. And we got the same lawyers and we started putting paperwork, but it turns out, uh, you know, you need like 50 people with a lot of money who are good friends of yours to kind of make that process easy. Um, so uh, the other interesting thing that, you know, I was looking at kind of you know, like similar to the NDBC or sorry, the, uh, the, the venture capital thing with the 3X returns being like the uh, kind of norm um, or, or the norm for a, for a successful v, uh, VC return, is that angel, and, uh, as, as far as all the research I could find, the average return for an angel investor is about two, uh, two and a half X, um, uh, as far, you know, which is, uh, I also found interesting. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the unicorn or the zebra manifesto, which is really great, highly recommended, but talks about basically this kind of realignment that me and Sean have been talking about in regards to exponential growth, uh, versus sustainable prosperity and so on and so forth. Um, and so enter NDBC, uh, which I, you know, we've, we've come up a couple of times uh, this week. Um, I've been paying attention to NDBC for a while. Uh, they were about to, they do things in batches and they were about to open up invest, uh, like, uh, you know, another round of investing. And I thought, man, like, it might be worth waiting five months for us to raise capital to, see if we can have NDBC be our lead investor. Um, and the terms are really interesting. And so the reason that I brought up the two and a half X angel investor kind of thing and the three X kind of venture thing is that the terms for NDBC are essentially, it's essentially just a fancy convertible note. And in the event that we do not raise money again, uh, the investors get back three X of their investment um, and they keep 10% of the equity. That's basically it in a nutshell. So they get what is, uh, to some degree, at least more than the average returns of, of some of these other investment things. Um, they get to keep some equity, in the, like, uh, but at the same time, it gives, uh, it gives us the optionality as a company to decide that if we do need to raise money, of like, oh, this is venture scale, this is going crazy, like the servers are burning up, uh, then it just converts to equity, like any other convertible note that anybody would raise to raise a seed round. Um, so for us, that was kind of the key element. It was like, oh, like, it doesn't force us into raising another round of funding. And if we don't raise another round of funding, the investors still get a pretty, pretty good return on their investment, and they keep 10% of that equity, because we can, re essentially, as we're paying off the 3X, we're earning, we're basically buying back 90% of our shares. Um, and if we do, and if we do, you know, if, if in case there is an exit, there, there is some liquidation event, uh, they, uh, they get 10% um, of that equity sticks around uh, per, in perpetuity. Um, so the, these terms seem really perfect for us because it doesn't force us into any one track. It allows us the money to get the engineers we need now. Um, and uh, it was really a, a kind of a no-brainer. And luckily, uh, uh, you know, we met with Bryce Roberts. We had a couple of meetings, and uh, we ended up uh, getting accepted. And luckily, waiting five months to see if we got into VC uh, paid off. Um, so beyond in the VC, uh, I should quickly mention that 
We looked at all, I, I, I talked to everybody when we were thinking about raising this round. We talked from all sides of the spectrum. All the, I did talk to some of the VCs to see if like some of them were great. Some of them actually individually came in on the, one of them specifically came into our round as an individual um, using the NDVC terms. Um, and I highly recommend looking at all the potential ways to raise venture capital. NDVC is just one of them. There was, uh, there, there's been all this chatter, you don't have to look at this, I'll, I'll have a, 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 a better one coming up, but essentially like there are, this is just to illustrate just the amount of like, uh, of like alternatives to VC financing that exists now. Again, timing worked out great for us because when we're finally ready to take money, there were options. Um, and a lot of these take, uh, do this in totally different ways. Um, and the conversations we had with, with a lot of them were just you know, fantastic. Um, this is just, this is just what I could gather at a glance of all the VC uh, alternatives. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we were very lucky that, you know, once we got the NDVC kind of investment in play, uh, things kind of came together pretty quickly. Um, Ernest Capital, uh, which I would argue is the second biggest name in, 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 in non-VC funding, um, you know, they had never used someone else's terms before. Uh, investing with us, but they believed in us, they believed in what we were doing, uh, and we're happy to co-invest uh, along with uh, NDVC. Uh, and they're, you know, the, the, the support we've had from Ernest has been just astronomical uh, since day one, so highly recommend Ernest, uh, especially because NDVC does things in batches, so uh, Ernest is actually a roll, like rolling investments. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, we've, uh, We've been lucky enough to raise one and a half million, or one 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 point two five, um, and we're, you know, we're we only just I only just found out that DHH has uh, put money into both Ernest and in the VC. Uh, we tried to get Tiny Seed as well, but Tiny Seed is really just opposite of the spectrum for us as a kind of uh, they write smaller checks for you know somebody who wants to quit their day job so they can go full time, uh, which is an amazing uh, amazing uh, uh, firm as well. Um, so this is our team today. Um, we're these five. Uh, I, I made this because we were hiring. Uh, we hired five people last week, uh, so they start next week. Uh, and but we're still looking for some engineers. If anybody knows anybody, uh, and Seanick was giving a very boring chat here, uh, and so everybody looks really bored. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, retreats, so uh, a little bit about us as a remote company is we do retreats uh, literally uh, every six months. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, depending on schedules, it, it, could, it could be every four, eight, but uh, six is kind of our, our go-to. This is our very first retreat in Austin, um, then in Mexico, in Sayulita, and then we got together for New Year's because we knew it was going to be crazy. Uh, then in Indianapolis, uh, we, we matched it up with the board game convention because we were all giant nerds, and we thought, man, we'll never be able to do this during a board game convention ever again. Let's do it now, and so we did. Uh, and this was Portland, and we, just came, we were just in Peru uh, this past March. Um, and we find uh, doing these retreats to be absolutely crucial for us to function as a remote company. Uh, I think every time we get together, we like the, the, the amount of rejuvenation, the amount of uh, work we, we can really, like, like the amount of uh, big picture things that we can all get you know, lined up for us going into the next six months is, is really crucial and I highly recommend it uh, for any kind of remote, especially even if you're only partially remote, I think bringing, uh, their, you know, bringing the teams together is, uh, is unquantifiably difficult to, 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 to say how beneficial it is. Um, we, you know, we do dinners, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I should say something about this. Uh, we, we allow our families to come and join. So, uh, you know, significant others, kids. <laughs> uh, he's not an intern uh, over on the left. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's something that we, uh, you know, we, we try our best to, you know, value the, the time and our, you know, our employees take to take a week to go to Peru, um, and so we want to make that as easy as possible for them. And so we make sure that if you know they need to bring their mom, so they can the mom can take care of the baby, which is on the far back, uh, they can. Um, so uh, just a quick couple of things about things we wish we knew about a remote company. Big one uh, that that I find that people never talk about that I want to share with you is that uh, because it, there's pros and cons to being a remote company, but uh, and I think the pros largely outweigh the cons. But one of the pros or one of the cons is compliance. Something that I had no idea about. Thank God, Seanix a giant nerd about these things because I, like every time you hire somebody out of a new state, 
a whole new set of rules are, are now uh, you know, apply to you. And it comes with a lot, a lot of uh, you know, back office you know, stuff that you need to think about. Um, this is the, this is the uh, 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 founder of uh, uh, Bear Metrics. So to see even someone uh, like him kind of come to these realizations, I just realized like this is just something that people don't talk about enough. Um, and you know, he, you know, uh, I, I loved how he, I think he's right here, like, like how is anybody supposed to figure out all this stuff on a state per state per city, you know, per country basis? Uh, we have a lot of employees that are based uh, outside of the US. Uh, even with our hiring, we're still making, uh, we're still learning things. We wanted to hire some people in, in Europe and we realized, oh, they have to give their employers like one to three months heads up uh, before they can leave. And it's like, uh, like we didn't know that, um, but they're worth it, we'll wait, or blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, something to keep in mind. I think that this is like a, a need for remote companies that hopefully some startup out there is trying to solve. Um, and uh, something that I think uh, is worth noting for us too is that we did our company values, uh, uh, you know, a couple of, like a, about a year ago or so, and that that's been a huge help. I think as a remote company, sometimes because we're all just uh, in very specific meetings or you know on Slack or whatnot, I think that there's a lot of things that we. Uh, uh, you know, we're, it's one of the things that we want to instill in the company, but like we're not you know, sharing space together every, every day uh, like you do in a regular company, and so putting this together was kind of a big deal. Um, and yeah, the uh, one other thing I, uh, I'll throw in there is uh, I highly recommend this uh, thing from uh, 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 from from FYI where uh, they uh, they put together this incredible uh, like remote work uh, guide essentially that they basically surveyed 286 remote workers uh, and CEOs and and whatnot and they put together a ton of interesting stats about about remote jobs and remote work and how, what people value most. I thought this was really interesting that top three th things people, uh, reasons people recommend remote work is freedom, flexibility, no commute, increased productivity. Pro increased productivity, I think, is a, is a huge one. Um, lastly, just to uh, close off, if there's one thing I would like to say about just like the actual idea of One Second Every Day, it's you know, that we really don't value ordinary moments enough. We, you know, I guarantee you that any random moment that you think is not Insta-worthy or whatnot that you capture today, uh, like in 10 years, you will, it's, it's like looking at an old photograph where you're like, oh, that was just because a random day, but you're like, oh, remember that day. Uh, and so uh, for me, the biggest benefit of having been doing One Second Every Day for eight and a half years is that there's so many days of my life that I ordinarily would have thought like nothing interesting happened today. And that little moment that I captured that day it actually means the world to me in the future. Uh, so whether you use one to see or whatever, or even just your, your camera roll, uh, I really recommend uh, uh, valuing ordinary moments. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.